Hello, my name's Steph Scholl, and I am here with my co-host... Scott Stevenson, better known, Stephanie, as... The Silver Dollar Man. The Silver Dollar Man. And having all those silver dollars, I mean, that means you have a lot of money (laughs) that you need to invest. Oh, yeah. And our guest today... (laughs) Tons and tons. ...is stunning, because guess what? He has been asked to contribute for cnbc investment news think advisor and other who is this famous person we have here i mean i rarely get shown up steph where uh, you know the the person in the room with me is actually outshining me but apparently that is the case today our stunning financial advisor is with lifepoint financial and we have mike metzger mike welcome thank you very much thanks for having me here i finally get to meet you two in person which is incredible <laughs> Well, we hope we don't disappoint. <laughs> you, you have not so far. I'm excited to meet you. We've been Instagram friends. So. That's right. Yeah. There's something so magical about Instagram where you can have professional connections, mm-hmm. but actually feel like you get to know them on a personal basis. Like it's I feel so like true. I already know you. I know. You commented on one of my posts. I was like, oh, thanks, And Mike. congratulations on the close of your home. Hey, thanks. Hey, this look at nice. that. And he, he what, what's the great news you have for us as far as your family? We're introducing a baby boy in January. I think it's fabulous, and you're having a. Is it all right to say you're having a boy? I'm having a boy. Yeah, I'm having a boy in That's January. Fabulous. I got four of them, Steph. So you know, I love it when you have fathers and sons. So tell us a little bit about your life. Where are you from? Like your roots? Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm a bit of a nomad. I was when I was a kid. So we've lived in a lot of different places as a family. I was born in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And then Great town, home of the Minnesota Twins. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So after Minnesota, we moved to Geneva, Switzerland. We spent four oh, years cool. in Geneva. And then we moved to Portland, Oregon. My wife's from Portland. Okay, yeah. yeah. Lake Oswego. Oh, know exactly where Lake Oswego okay. is. Um, and my wife lived maybe five miles from there. Oh, wow, okay. And so we visited Portland all the time. I lo- In fact, my wife said to me the other day, if there was one place she wanted to move, it was Lake Oswego. Okay, yeah. I just saw their, their Little League team was in the Little League World Series. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. How about yeah. that? Well, I knew there was another reason why I liked them. Baseball <laughs> baseball town. So from, from Lake Oswego, we moved to Kansas City, Kansas. Uh, and then we moved to West Des Moines, Iowa. So I spent the majority of my life in West Des Moines, Iowa, junior high through high school. And then I went to the University of Iowa. So when people ask me where I'm from, it was a little bit complicated in the beginning. And now I just say I'm, I'm from Iowa. What's that, the Hawkeyes? It's the Hawkeyes. They're yeah. in big-time wrestling school, aren't they? Wrestling. They're big-time. You know, top 25 football team, That's basketball true. team. Right. Mm-hmm. They're good. Yeah, so I'm a diehard. But, yeah, it's interesting when I say to people, especially now I live in California, and then I spend a lot of time here in Utah because I also have an office here in Salt Lake City as well as some uh, rental property. But I say I'm from Iowa, and people, it's like there's shock on their face. They're just trying to get over the fact that people actually live in Iowa. (laughs) (laughs) It's not just Portland. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a great place to be from. People are so incredibly friendly, great values. They call it Iowa nice, and people really are Iowa nice. Oh, I love that. Well, so how did you end up going from such an uh, Iowa nice to such a – Tough business. <laughs> yeah. I, so I had no idea. It was by accident. Uh, I'm serious. It was by accident. So I took a um, entrepreneurial marketing class in college at the University of Iowa. And that class stuck out to me the most because what we did was we would analyze various different Fortune 500 companies. We would study their marketing, their product features. And it really 
helped me deep dive into specific companies. And then fast forward Jim Cramer, and I'm, I'm embarrassed to say it now because I would not advise watching Jim Cramer, but Jim Cramer came to our school ah, yeah. and he did a live show from the school and I just fell in love with the antics and the over the top you know, personality. Well, he's kind of an entertainer too. He's an entertainer, yeah. And he talked about look, looking and analyzing companies in the same way. So then I had a friend that lived in Santa Barbara, California. And if you've ever been or seen Santa Barbara, California, it's heaven on earth, similar to Salt Lake City, but with an ocean, with <laughs> yeah, an ocean, with an ocean. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's all. Steph City knows I love the ocean. Being from the East <laughs> yeah. Coast, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I thought, you know, I'm going to take whatever, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to Santa Barbara, California. And I started looking into companies that were out there, and it just so happened that the company that I could be hired with in Santa Barbara, California, happened to be in my industry. So I moved out to California, I got the best of both worlds. I was living where I wanted to live and working in the industry that I now love. Oh, how nice. And so how long have you been doing it? I've been doing this for about 12 to 13 years. Wow. See, I, you look like you're like 25. I mean, come on, you, you couldn't possibly <laughs> I'm 38, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I say that just to say, but this is real. He actually looks like he's like twenty five, you know. I, you know, honestly, now I'll just take it if I, if when someone asks how old I am and I say yeah. thirty eight, and they go, "Yeah, I guessed about that." I'm like, "Yes, I'm already ahead of the curve." <laughs> <laughs> At least they didn't say, "I think you're you looked like forty five. Yeah. Well, so financial planning it's a huge part of preparing for even buying a house. Oh, sure. You know? Yeah. And so you work with a lot of real estate professionals. Tell me more about what you do for them. Yeah. So I started in the industry working for a big wirehouse. They call it a wirehouse investment company. I was working with Merrill Lynch. And then I moved over to a large West Coast bank brokerage. And I was their financial planner for a number of years. Three years ago, I ventured off to start LifePoint Financial Design. And I did it with the intention of incorporating real estate into financial planning. Because I think is there's this, this your own company? This is my own company. Uh -huh. Yep. Okay. This is my own company. I started it because you, you either have on one end of the spectrum people who believe in real estate investing and real estate professionals, agents fall into that category at times. And then you have financial planners or financial advisors who are telling you to put all your money into stocks. And it just doesn't make sense why the two can't be blended. I should preface this with my wife is actually a realtor herself. Hmm. So there's that background there. But Real estate is one of the most valuable assets you could ever possibly own. And there's no reason why we should silo both of those two, stocks and bonds and then real estate. And so I started LifePoint Financial Design as a holistic approach to how do we incorporate whatever's going to make the most sense to get you to your end goal. Just to pick your brain mm -hmm. a little bit. That people use their 401k as their down payment. I've never really understood how that worked. So, can you explain that a little bit? It can work in very specific scenarios. Uh -huh. So, take for instance, real estate professionals who are the majority of my clients that I work with virtually across the country. So, if you're self employed and you don't have anyone else working for you outside of a spouse, then you can open up what's called a solo 401k. And inside of any 401k, but more beneficial inside of a solo 401k, you can take a loan out against your 401k in the amount of $50,000 or 50% of the 401k account value, whichever is the lesser, and use that 
to purchase a piece of property if that's what you so wish. You have five years to pay that money back at a nominal interest rate, but all of that money is just going back to yourself anyway. So it can be leveraged as a great way to buy additional real estate. I will say it with the disclaimer of I don't always recommend that. It depends on your personal situation, but 401ks and retirement plans really should be looked at as a diversifier, not an additional way to put more eggs into one basket. But it can be done, and I have advised it in certain circumstances. Well, that's interesting because I never knew that, and I'm an old guy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I... <laughs> No, and I've never heard that. No, I've never heard that. So, that, I mean, that's an interesting fact because it just never occurred to me that 401k money could be used as a down payment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and probably, like you say, it's probably for specific things, but I didn't even know it existed. So, yeah. any real estate agents that are out there, that may be news to them. Yeah, it very much could be. And there's also what's called a self-directed 401k or a self-directed IRA. And there's some more difficult requirements around it, but with a self-directed 401k or IRA, you can invest that money into anything. So you could actually own the house or the property in the name of your 401k. Really? There's some stricter rules around it. The IRS is gonna look at that a little bit more diligently, but self-directed IRAs, you can own companies, you can own real estate, you can own just about anything inside of those you have to write a check from the 401k to purchase these and there has to be very diligent uh, receipts being kept but a lot of people don't realize that if you are very proficient in real estate if you're specifically if you're like a real estate investor a lot of those folks understand and know self-directed 401ks well so you mentioned before that a lot of your clientele are real estate agents. Mm-hmm. Why is that? I believe in real estate agents and I believe in real estate. Again, I'm trying to marry the difference between folks who believe in only real estate and folks who only believe in stocks and bonds. I don't believe that's a thing looked at um, as siloed investments. Right. But with real estate agents, there's so many favorable IRS codes that that allow them bigger tax deductions, bigger investment opportunities. And I don't think there's enough people coaching real estate agents on good financial planning to get them to where they they ultimately want to be. And so a lot of financial advisors don't necessarily want real estate agents as a client and possibly vice versa. I'm here to, to kind of marry those two. Oh, I see. Okay, so yeah, that's so it seems like you are an anomaly maybe when it comes to the industry because like you say they're they're usually kind of divorced if you want to say that. Yeah. So you're trying to bring together the best of both worlds and do you find that not a lot of financial planners enjoy working with real estate agents for that reason? Because yeah. they seem myopic if you want to call that and and the agent also is myopic. Sure. Yeah. I, I don't want to put every financial planner or advisor in the same in the same category, but yeah. typically the way the industry has worked before is you get paid a either a commission, which that part of financial advising is kind of going away, commission based sales. Mm-hmm. Then there's the vast majority that get paid on a percentage of assets that are being managed. Well, if that client, that real estate agent, is wanting to buy another piece of property because that's what they know, they understand real estate. So they take money out and go buy a piece of property. That advisor won't typically be advising to do that because that's taking money away from Mm. 
money that they had to right. invest. With myself, I don't get paid based on solely on, on one particular area. I don't get paid at all. I don't do any commission-based sales. I do ha- do a portion of percentage of assets managed, but I mostly charge on an annual retainer so that it, I'm completely unbiased. And it doesn't matter whether you are going to go p- buy that other piece of property. And I actually can advise you, you know, we've got some cash built up here. The market's looking really good. You may want to think about buying another piece of, of investment property. And the way I look at it with all clients is we first start with what is it that we're trying to accomplish? So imagine what life imperfection is going to look like. And I try and take them through this journey to imagine what's going to be the most important thing to them when it really matters, you know, at the, I hate to say the end of your life, but at the, at the end of your life, and if you're looking back, what really mattered most? And then we can start building a plan around that. So how do we set up the steps now to get you to that place? And then we build the plan around that. And so for some people, it might be, well, here's this lifestyle I want. And I say, well, okay, let's, let's think about what that's going to cost. So now we have an income level that we need to accomplish this life that you want. How much are we going to have in rental investment property, you know, with rental income coming in to get to that baseline income level to know that you can live this lifestyle in the future? Well, it seems like that's an interesting concept as far as having a retainer. I mean, that's I mean, I I, I guess that that word it sounds like an attorney, you know, sounds like what you would do for an attorney. But rarely have I heard the word retainer used when it comes to a financial advisor. And that's an interesting concept. I understand it. And uh, it's just not something I've heard very often. Yeah, so it, it's becoming a little bit more popular in financial planning, but really it's to take out any sort of biased direction. On yeah, and it makes trying sense. To tell people to put their yeah. money. And so we break it out on a monthly basis. So there's a monthly subscription service, say for the for financial planning. And when I say financial planning, you know, it some of it is um, you know, where you should invest your money. Some of it is real estate investment analysis. Some of it is even um, real estate agent profit and loss. I have a very specific spreadsheet that I build out for real estate agents where we're taking a look at the sources of your revenues, the sources of your expenses, how can we optimize those and how many clients did you have in the year? And more importantly, how many days off did you take? And most real estate agents say, what do you mean? I'm a real estate agent. I took zero days off. I don't don't take days off. (laughs) But what I'm trying to drive at is what is your return on time? So we take a look at what did you actually make per dollar? Because once you break out all of that, the days off, active clients, revenue, expenses, we can actually figure out what you're making Hour or hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's a little scary for real estate agents to see. Uh, so business analysis is, is really also where I'm helping him. And it's on a monthly basis ongoing. So every single month we're tackling different issues. It's not two meetings a year. Come in. I'm going to talk to you for an hour. Uh, you know, in June, come in for an hour in, in December. And, hey, we're going to wash yeah. our hands of this and call it call it good. This is an ongoing relationship where we're tackling estate planning, tax planning, investment planning, real estate planning, business planning, all throughout the entire year. And so it's a monthly subscription service. There's an annual minimum, which is that retainer, and it can be made up for with percentage of assets managed, 
But if, again, if I'm going to tell you that you should go buy this other piece of rental investment, then I have that retainer to fall back on where I'm not giving myself a demotion by doing the right thing for mm-hmm. the client. Right. And it makes sense. You're based out of California. Based out of California. Based out of California. Yeah. So I'm interested in, you know, you have an office here in Salt Lake. Yep. Uh, why Salt Lake? I love Salt Lake. So the story goes three years ago when I left to start LifePoint Financial Design, I was still working for the large bank brokerage and I wasn't happy. There was a number of reasons why I think you can all remember oh, yeah. people were creating fake accounts. Well, yeah. I just saw, I just saw, you saw too much of that. Huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. When, yes. So <laughs> enough said, right? Enough, enough said. <laughs> so I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, I was looking for different communities. I wanted to, get into a different area that I loved. And we used to come skiing in Utah every single year as a family. And I loved it for that reason. When I was thinking about moving to a different community, I said, okay, what communities have what I love? I love big, big, small towns. Yeah. I love trail running, outdoor activities, having access to both the outdoors, but not being very far away from really cool dining and and scenery, et cetera. And so I looked all around the Mountain West because I really just love the Mountain West. And I landed on Salt Lake City. And I thought, okay, well, let's let's move to Salt Lake City. So then we started exploring buying a house in Salt Lake City. California's home prices were going through the roof and I thought, I'm I'm just gonna either wait, which I was one of those people that said, <laughs> I'm gonna wait, it's gonna come back down. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, or I'm just going to buy somewhere else. And so we uh, ended up buying a house in the avenues. Mm-hmm. We used a great real estate agent from Windermere. Uh, and we ended up getting a house that we absolutely loved. Two days, well, I should say right before the close of it, I decided that there was another way. And the other way was for me to create my own firm mm-hmm. and to do things with the right principles and philosophies in place. So two days after the close of the house, I quit my job and I started my own firm, which was a scary moment because bad. I had to wait for the close of the house yeah, first. Yeah, we wait for yeah. the close. <laughs> <laughs> then I quit. Yeah, right. <laughs> then I quit and I started my own firm and I just had to bet on myself. I had to believe in myself that I can make this happen. And I did. And so we turned the Utah, the Salt Lake City house into a rental property and we continued to live in San Luis Obispo, California. And so the idea was, well, we can always get back. We've got property there now. We can always go back to Salt Lake City. A year or two before the pandemic, I decided that I wanted my firm to be completely virtual and not be tethered by any city or uh, any specific office. So I decided to uh, be a virtual office before that was even a thing mm-hmm. and before it was cool before it was cool <laughs> and, and i thought you know why can't i just travel back and forth between salt lake city and california and so i started i started doing it i picked up some clients in salt lake city and i thought well i can make this work and then the pandemic happened and then that just escalated everything and i thought everyone else is you know having to pivot to try and get everything on you know completely virtual and online and uh, i was already there and so it just it made it that much easier oh how nice so the idea is eventually if i'm if if my wife will allow me to say this this is my thoughts Mm -hmm. so nothing is a reflection on my (laughs) wife uh i would like to we we ended up getting um so march 20th 
March 20th of 2020, we bought a property in California. And we bought a property in Santa Margarita, California. I thought, you know, the shutdown had happened. People weren't even allowed to show houses. And I looked at it as an opportunity. Warren Buffett says my favorite quote of all time, which is, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. And I saw that as an opportunity to get a house at a reasonable price. So on actually under asking, nobody else could go see it. My wife is a, is a realtor, so we were able to actually see it ourselves. And uh, we ended up buying a property. We have now since put a, a little tiny barn on our mm -hmm. property. We have an Airbnb tiny barn that we're putting together right now. <laughs> it's a 10 by 20 because it's under the permitting requirement. Oh, so as, as long as it's under 120 square feet, there's no permitting required. I would like to Airbnb that entire property and then move here to Salt Lake City. Oh, how nice. Well, we'd love to have you. When you buy a house and then you're like, okay, I'm quitting my job, right? Like it takes you believing in yourself, but your wife believing in you too and being like, okay, well, we can do this, you know? And your wife is still with you. Right? <laughs> and my wife, she, she made it through that process. And a year after I went uh, and started my own business, my wife had been working for um, underneath the brokerage. She decided she wanted to go out on her own. On her own. So a year after I did it, and then I'm and selfishly, I'm going, whoa, whoa. As, <laughs> yeah. I, we just did this once. I don't yeah, know if yeah. we can do this yeah. again. But, you know, life, life has twists and turns, but it tends to work out. It does. If you take chances, Steph, most of the time, if you educated yourself before you leap, uh, you can take an educated leap, and most of the time it works if you believe in it. Yeah. And I like hearing that you have your own investment properties because we had a guest on one of our podcasts where he said, if people aren't actually doing what they're preaching, they don't believe in it enough. What are some of the best real estate investment strategies that agents and investors should know about? I'll start by saying that it's surprising how many agents don't own properties themselves and i get when you're starting off you know mm -hmm. real estate is expensive yeah. here in utah as well um but it's even the ones that are very successful i find some that won't actually invest in rental properties or property themselves and it's so surprising because they're selling everyone else on this is why you should buy yeah. more property mm -hmm. it is an incredibly valuable asset and i do 100 percent believe in it there is so much within the irs code that's very real estate investor friendly that can help you build wealth i mean real estate i will say and i'm going to go on record as a financial planner saying real estate is one of the biggest wealth builders you can ever possibly own because where else could you possibly buy an investment spend money on that investment so say you need to put in new granite countertops you got to put in a fence so those are losses that actually forces appreciation on the home so not only do you have long-term appreciation naturally on a house but now you can actually escalate that appreciation by putting more into it those so-called losses actually just go to increase your cost basis on the home and then therefore reduce down any sort of capital gains tax that you might have later in life. And if it's real estate investments it's, and you're a real estate professional, it's a dollar for dollar reduction off of your income. It's fantastic. Whereas yeah. other investors who aren't real estate professionals, and I heard uh, Dave Bushman on nominations, yeah. by the way, and mm -hmm. his podcast was great. He sounds like a very good accountant. But as he even mentioned as well, it's a uh, dollar for dollar reduction off of your income. If you're a real estate professional, if you're not, 
all it can do is get trapped in what's called passive losses. So those investments into your property can only go to offset rental income. And then if you don't use up all those losses, then it just moves forward to future years. But as a real estate professional, it can benefit you in every single year. Did you get that, Steph? Well, I did get the, like, I like what you, I mean, I didn't get every single, but what I got is that but you pay fun. money for that fence or for that granite. Yeah. Yes. And like. It's not a loss. It's not a loss. Yeah. And especially what you're saying about, so for real estate agents, because they're an agent, they get more of a tax credit, right? When they get investment properties. They, they basically, they have. Yes, they get more of a, let's call it a tax credit. And I guess what I meant is, so let's say you put in an $8,000 fence around your property. It might increase the value of your property by 30000 Right. You go you go back and you you know, you know get an appraisal or if you want to get an appraisal and it comes in $30,000 higher because all of a sudden now you have this nice fence around your property. It only costs you 8000 to get 30000 And so that's what we call forced appreciation. Well, you know what I liked most about the information you just said is you referenced our other podcast nomination. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was very impressive. I'm like, and, you and, do and listen. Who was Thank our you. That we had yeah. on here. That's super. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was not planned either. That was that was ad libbing. Well, thank you for listening. <laughs> As another example, uh-huh. uh, we're talking real estate investment strategies. Yeah. You just bought your condo Mm -hmm. and you mentioned that it's already appreciated 90,000 more than when Mm -hmm. you bought it yeah so here's a great strategy if you wanted to get into real estate investing you could do a cash uh, cash out refinance on your property because there's now $90,000 higher in equity you could refinance your property you can pull cash out of that equity possibly without even changing your monthly payment and now you have a down payment to buy another piece of property. And that's really what successful real estate investors do is they're constantly optimizing the real yeah. estate that they have to be able to leverage it and purchase more. Okay, I have a question with that though, because with capital gains and stuff, so you have to live in the property for two years, right? Before you- Two so of five. Two to five. To two, no, two, two of five. Two of the last five years. I guess my question with this is, so you could take that and go buy another property and have that as your primary residence or even an investment property. So it'd become an investment property. Okay, investment. You, you could, so here's the game you can play. Yeah. Is you, you, you have your property that you lived in two years and then you buy another property. You go live in that for two or five years. And if you wanted to sell that one, now you're selling it as a primary home and then you can go back to the first one and live in, in that one or move on to a different one. And so you could always be selling it as a primary property and getting the capital gains tax exclusion. So if you're familiar with that, as a single individual, you sell your house as long as there's less than $250,000 in capital gains on that house, you don't owe taxes. That's really That's pretty cool. awesome. Yeah. Stuff. I mean, mine's about a million, but yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> too, maybe. I, th- I think you're being a little shy. I think it's grown to about two to two and a half at this point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, everyone no. knows the famous stuff lives in that house. So it's, no. more, it's more like selling oh a celebrity's home. That's true. You yeah. more value, right, Steph? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. No. No, I think that that's really cool. Because I don't know. Because 
I like that there's this strategy too that I forget about. So there, you have to pick and choose what, yeah. what you do with your property. Mm-hmm. Because same for us with our um, house in California. We bought the property. It was a flip. Mm-hmm. And so the inside of it was pretty much turnkey. So then we started concentrating on the outside, which all it was was basically a big lot with studded rocks, and then they threw some gorilla hair over the top of it. And if you're familiar with gorilla hair, it's like stringy bark that's just super dusty. Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. Nasty. So it was a blank slate, and I thought that was going to be a great thing until I realized how much work like Mm -hmm. goes into all that. And people right now, especially... Uh, contractors, landscapers, it's expensive. Mm-hmm. So then I'm forced to do something that's very unnatural to mm-hmm. me, which is to try and do it myself. And then yeah. I get frustrated and give mm-hmm. up and then I go back to it at two days later and I say, okay, I'll try it again. And uh, But it can be costly. So you have to kind of pick and choose yeah, which what you're going to do. Tip yeah. is keep all those receipts. So everything that you put into that property, keep the receipts because that increases the cost basis again of the house, which means when you go to sell it later, there's less potential tax impact. Well, my favorite term that I've got out of this whole conversation mm-hmm. is gorilla hair. I love, <laughs> I love that term. I'm going to use it. Scott. Somehow or another. I had no idea what any of this stuff means. I have a realtor wife, so thank God she like gets me up to speed on Yeah, yeah. I would have just called a bark. <laughs> I love it. She said, no, no, it's gorilla hair. I'm like, huh? Okay, gorilla I guess hair. it makes yeah. sense. It's kind of stringy. It. <laughs> it's the worst stuff in the world. It's the cheapest stuff, which is yeah. why it was on the property. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's just a big dust bomb. You oh, step no. on it and dust comes flying, flying up your nostrils. Up. How about that? Man. All right. Gorilla hair. I'm going with it. <laughs> what, what's a, a, some personal goals that you may have with your business that you want to go? And then tell us a little bit about your personal. I have a running bucket list. So there's a guy named Ben, and his last name starts with an N. He's, he started the bucket list. And I listened to him at a conference one time, and it really resonated with me. And there's also another individual who really uh, inspired me in this direction, too. His name is Jesse Itzler. He's like the most famous guy. You'll never have heard of his name. (laughs) He's part owner in the Atlanta Hawks. He started Zico Coconut Water, if you remember that. Marquee Jets. Uh, Just a really, really impressive guy. But both of them, the, the basic premise is to live your life to the fullest, to be in a present moment, and to have personal goals that you just never negotiate on. So I have a running bucket list of 20 something items right now. Wow. And so that I'm working through them, but yeah. some of them are like adventures. So I have a four day solo backpacking trip through the mountains somewhere. I think I had uh, a trek through Antarctica is on that list. Getting my master's by 40 and I am currently in the process of that. So. I wanted to do something that I would actually get personal enjoyment out of. I, I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet, but <laughs> I'm getting a master's in digital strategy from the University of Florida. So oh, I'm cool. doing that currently. And then this year, also becoming fluent in Spanish was on my list. Uh, and I got to admit, Hola, I've, ¿qué tal? ¿Cómo te va? See, yeah, you lost me. <laughs> I, was, I was just going to start saying. Uh, that one, unfortunately, seems to slip off my what list every single saying? day. How are you? How are things going? I actually know a, a decent amount of Spanish, yeah. enough to get me around in different countries because I, yeah. I did study it in high school and college. And yeah. I, I've tried picking up 
babble lessons here and there, but uh, I'm running through that bucket list. Those, yeah. those are all my per- mm-hmm. personal goals. And then professionally, it's really just to spread this message of real estate as a valuable asset class and how it should be introduced into financial planning as part of a holistic conversation. And so you mentioned earlier that I've been in the Wall Street Journal investment news. These are big accomplishments for me, uh, but it's because the message is starting to resonate with people. We need to look at financial planning from a different lens. And I don't believe any one area is the right area. So you shouldn't be all invested in real estate and you shouldn't be all invested in stocks and bonds, but the right mix of strategies together can really take you a long ways. I think it just goes to say, you know, moderation is key. Moderation yeah. to, to pretty much anything in life. And in America, we're not really great at that. We like to go all in on one thing. And so my job really is to help you incorporate all the moving pieces and to move you towards your life's goals. Well, Stephanie, I have to say this. I have been stunned by the information that I have heard here today. And I'm not saying that because the name of the podcast. I'm saying it because it's true. I've learned a lot of things here today. I think there's great information for anybody who wants to learn anything about uh, real estate combined with stocks and bonds and to a uh, financial advisor who can lead you to have a uh, combined portfolio that will be best for you. Because I agree with you. I think um, taking the best of both worlds is the place to be. 